welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. Our past, because it just weighs us down. It's so much better when we walk in freedom, isn't it? I love the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ, and I hope all of us here do. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When the Spirit's not working in us, there's heaviness, isn't there? What a difference. When I I used to run track in school, I I loved track. I loved football and track, and those were the, the two areas where I would compete, and it was just a blessing. I just, I really enjoyed, you know, running and just uh, the blessing. I was very competitive and I always, you know, wanted to, to win. I never ran a race with work boots on. I never ran a race with a three-piece suit on. Why? Because I wanted to win. I, I didn't want the weight of those, you know, of heavy shoes. I actually, we'd wear cleats most of the time. The cleats were, they weighed like about two ounces. There was like absolutely no weight to the, to the cleats. And, and that's how you win. You, you dress lightly. And my question for all of us as believers, are, do we want to win this race? You know, some people enter races like the, the Boston Marathon. They, they enter just to say, I ran the Boston Marathon. I competed in the Boston Marathon. They get a shirt, you know, I ran the Boston. They don't tell you on the, on the shirt, well, I didn't run the whole race. <laughs> I didn't finish the race. I just went in. I competed. I just went in there just to wear the shirt. And I wonder how many as believers do that. They're just, well, I'm a Christian. Well, are you running to win? Are you running to win this race that's set before us? We can win. And John is telling us, if you want to win, you have to let go of sin. If you want to win this race, you got to cut ties with the world, the, the worldly past that you had. If you want to win this race, God is going to give you everything you have need of to win this race. But you have to let go. If you're going to go forward, you have to let go of that sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have, can we say that word together? Mercy. This is our God. If we cover up our sin, we we try to cover it and say, well, I'm not really that bad of a sinner. I'm not that bad of a person. I'm really a good person. How about this one? I hear this quite a bit. You know, God knows my heart. What does that really mean? God knows my heart. You know what it means? Every time that someone's told me that, usually it's like, I'm in sin. I'm going to stay in sin. I want to stay in sin. I'm not that bad of a person. And then I, God knows my heart. God knows that I'm really not that bad. But you're really saying you don't want to live biblically. You don't want to turn from your sin. Because the Bible says the, our heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? So yeah, God knows our heart. Our hearts are deceitful. And he wants to change our hearts. So if we cover it up, we're not going to prosper. And any one of us here, this applies to all of us. And I'm so thankful it doesn't stop there where it says, if you cover your sins, you will not prosper, period. It's not a period. It's a comma, right? But it says, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. We have a merciful God that wants to bless us. Another great verse that goes with this, Luke 5.32, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, if you think you're right, you think you're good, you think everything's fine, well, then Jesus said, well, I didn't come for you. I'm not calling you. I'm, I'm calling the ones that know that they're sinners and they need to turn away from it. And I'm going to help them. 
Another great verse that goes with this, talking about sin. I love this one. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You know why I love this? Because we all fall. Is there anyone here that's sinless, have never sinned in your life? Please raise your hand, stand up. We want to give you a standing ovation because only Jesus can do that. But when you fall seven times, number of perfection, number of completion, you just rise up. And maybe that's someone here today. Have you fallen? Rise up. Rise up. Turn back to the Lord. Seek his face again. Seek his will again. Seek his purpose again. Seek after him again. He'll cause you to prosper in the things of him. He'll cause you to be in the center of that perfect will that he has for your life. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's quick to forgive. He's right there to help you. But the wicked, they're going to fall by their own calamity. They're going to get caught in that net that they put out for us. The pit that they dug for us, they're going to fall in that pit. You don't have to worry about the enemy. It's God who fights our battles. God is in control. As we talk about sin, I believe it's very important to purpose in our heart that we will not sin against the Lord in those areas of temptation that we fall to. Let me say that again. I believe it's very important that we purpose in our heart not to sin against God in those areas of temptation, those areas that we can fall to. Like Daniel. Daniel probably knew very well the delicacies that were there waiting for him there in Babylon, and he purposed in his heart not to eat of those delicacies before he went to the table. I think it might have been a different story if they put all the delicacies before him and he never purposed in his heart, and then he starts looking at it and saying, well, this stuff looks really good. But no, he purposed in his heart not to do those things before he went to the table. Another good example, if you're like in school and you've, you've, you're sitting there and the professor or the teacher he says, okay, everyone, we're going to have a pop quiz. We're going to see how much you've studied, how much you know. I know I never announced this, but we're going to have a pop quiz. Take everything off your, your desk, just to have a piece of paper and a pencil, and you're there. You haven't studied, right? And the kid next to you is the smartest kid in the class. You know he's going to ace this one, right? And the temptation is there to, to look at his page, and you can see his page from your desk, and the, the temptation's there. Well, right then and there's not a good time to, to wonder, am I going to cheat when I go to school? No. It's so much better before that pop quiz comes, before you go to school, realizing I purpose in my heart, I'm not going to cheat no matter what grade I get. My question is, what areas does the enemy get you? Have you purposed in your heart not to go there anymore? What areas does, does the enemy come in and, and trip you up? Have you purposed in your heart that in that area, I'm not going to sin in that area. I'm going to seek the Lord. I've purposed in my heart not to do that anymore. I believe there's great power in that. Not waiting until the temptation comes and then decide, because we're, our mind can make up all kinds of excuses why it's okay when God says it's not okay. As we talk about sin, as John's telling us, He's writing this that we may not sin. I want to remind all of us here that the Christian life is not the easy road. Do you guys know that? And I believe some pastors or some uh, different churches can do a dis, uh, can really actually hurt 
the people when they, they try to say, oh, if you just accept Jesus, it's all going to be prosperous. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to have a good time, and it's going to be wonderful. And this is, no, well, the reality is, yeah, you'll have peace and joy, and you'll have love. But do we realize it's, it's a difficult road? And I believe it's healthy for us to realize it because when we come against difficulty, we don't just, it doesn't spin us out spiritually. We don't think, wow, I didn't expect this. The pastor keeps telling me it's just, you know, life and prosperity and it's all good and it's never bad and it's just going to be kumbaya from here on, on out. But that's not true. Jesus himself, he said in Matthew 7, 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who, who will go by it. So the road that leads to destruction, it's easy, it's wide, it's broad. Everybody's on that path doing what they want to do, doing what feels good. There's no absolute truth. Everything is just, it's, if it's good for you, it's okay. But what does he say in verse 14? It says, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. If you have a problem with anger, the difficult way is to love that person. That's irritating you. If you have a problem with anger, the, the, the difficult way is, is forgiving them, right? That's the difficult way. The easy way, if you have a problem with anger, is just blow up at them. Just get upset, get mad. Talk about them behind their back. That's the easy way. Everybody can do that, right? If you have a problem with drunkenness or with lust, the, the difficult way is to stay away from those areas that cause you to fall. The easy way is just indulge. It's getting awfully quiet in here. You guys okay? <laughs> all of a sudden just i could drop a pin right now it's just wow it's true his christians were to strive just for his holiness it's a daily resistance it's a daily resistance to the things of this world we can't do it without the power of the holy spirit just the other day there was workers here they're doing some work up on the roof and so I was out there talking with them, and one of the gentlemen, I think he was the foreman, I was talking with him for a little while. And, and it's interesting, nobody, for some reason, even though there's a cross up there, they don't know what this building is. And so he asked me the same question most people ask when they come over here. They go, what is this building? What do you guys do here? And I said, it's a church. He's like, oh, it's so funny. When you do that, you can tell if they're, usually immediately if they're a Christian or not, you know. You say, oh, it's a church. They go, oh, okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, really? Just because it's a church, you're going to run? You know, sometimes I chase them. Come back here. It's okay. <laughs> but this guy was like, oh, it's a church. And you could just tell. He's just looking. He's like, nice. And I says, well, you go to church? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, I just started going to church. He said, uh, my wife left me, and this is going on in my life, and that's going on in my life. And I said, well, you're a Christian. He goes, yeah, because I just started, you know, I just started to go to church. And yeah. Then he got a phone call. You notice that happens a lot. You know, so his cell phone rings. He goes, hold on, hold on. He's got to talk, you know, something to do with his work. And so I'm just praying. I'm like, Lord, give me an open door. Help me to, you know, do you want me to minister to this man and speak to me, Lord? And so I waited till he was off the phone. I went back to him. And right away, you know, here I'm praying. He, he looks right at me. He says, I need the Holy Spirit. I'm like, man, that was a quick answer to prayer. <laughs> and he says, how do I get the Holy Spirit? And I says, well, according to the Bible, all you need to do is ask. And I said, you said you're a Christian. And so I, I said, can I pray with you? And he says, yeah. 
And it was so awesome. It was one of those deals. His, his workers are there. They're looking at him and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah. And he's right away. He's closing his eyes. He's like, I could care less what anybody thinks right now. I really need the Holy Spirit. I need prayer. And he prayed and prayed to receive the Lord, prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God touched him in a powerful way. But you know what it did to me? It reminded me, we need the Holy Spirit. Not just when we pray to receive Christ. We need the Holy Spirit every single day. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the engine that drives us. It's the, it's the only way we can live this walk with the Lord. It's by the power of God's Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us. I believe too often with Christians, they're, they're trying to do this Christian thing. I'm going to be a Christian. It's like, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, this is, this is you know, I'm going to witness to this person. Hey, you need Jesus. I've got Jesus. You need Jesus. And it's like, and it's not in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like, you know, packing up your, your car to go to church. Get the kids in if you have kids. You get your wife in the car. You pack up everything. You bring your lunch. You, you put all this stuff, in the, you know, this stuff in the car. And then, and then instead of turning the key, you get behind it. You put it in neutral. And you're like, okay, we're going to church. And you start pushing your car. It's like, hey, just get in the seat. Turn the key. Let the engine empower it. Let the engine take you to church. Why are you going to go to church, you know, taking and pushing your car? And I, I believe too often as Christians, that's what we can do. It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to love the people, Lord. I'm just, help me to love them. I hate them, Lord, but help me to love these people. You know, whatever. It's like we can manufacture this love. No, it's, it's by really just abiding in him and allowing the power of his Holy Spirit to empower us to live this life that he desires us to live. We need his spirit every day. There's some people I know that believe that when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Totally agree. That's what happens. We receive the Holy Spirit. But then they think there, there's nothing else. You never have to pray again for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That, that's it. You have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. No, if you read the book of Acts, it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 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 And I wonder, is the church, the early church, needed a continual filling of the Holy Spirit? How about us? We need a continual filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives to live this life that we're called to live. Do you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to give you power over sin? Do you run to him, your advocate? If you look back with me at verse 1, it says, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We're all going to fall. We're all going to mess up. And it's not a ticket. We don't have a ticket to sin. But when we fall and when we mess up, we have an advocate with the Father. The word advocate means our defense attorney. It means the one that fights on our behalf, the one that represents us before God. It also means the one who pleads for us, our counselor and our intercessor. That's Jesus. He's our heavenly advocate. When we mess up, he's right there. In the courtroom of heaven, it, it looks a little bit like this, I, I believe. But Jesus is our defense attorney. God the Father obviously being the judge, and he's there in heaven. But then also we have an accuser, the accuser of the brethren. I believe it's Revelation chapter 12. It says that the accuser, Satan, he accuses us day and night before the throne of God. He's the prosecuting attorney. 
And possibly it looks something like this. Satan, the prosecuting attorney, says, there he goes again. There he does. He, he messed up again. He did this. He did this. He did this. At 9 o'clock, he did this. At 10 o'clock, he did this. 12 o'clock, he had a bad thought. At, at 1 in the afternoon, he, he cut someone off. And then he did this to that person. He said this and he said that. And he gives the accusation. Jesus is right there. Jesus can't lie. Jesus has to tell the truth. And Jesus says, um, uh, actually, it's exactly what he said, but it's even worse. And then he possibly says, hey, um, judge, can I please enter the bench, approach the bench? And he says, come on. He approaches the bench and he says, hey, dad, might I remind you he's one of ours? Might I remind you he went to the cross? Might I remind you he's forgiven? Might I remind you that the blood of Jesus Christ, my blood was shed for all of his sin, past, present, and future. So it's erased. And the father the judge says, guilty is charged, but my son paid the price already. They're set free. Case dismissed. Forgiven. He's our advocate. He fights for us. In our walk with the Lord, we're going to experience battles, guys. I don't know if you realize that. You see, if we join the enemy's camp, if we just indulge ourselves in sin, we're not going to have the, the battles. But once you put your hand to the plow to do what's right and to do what's right in the sight of God and you choose to be used by him, you're in the battle. And there's an adversary and the adversary will work against you to try to trip you up. He'll dig a pit for you to fall in. He'll set a net for you to get caught in. He'll do whatever he can to trap you. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you go before the throne of God, he will not prevail. The enemy will not prevail against us. And there'll be times that they'll, you know, people will be used. And people in this world will be used against us to try to trip us up, to try to hurt us, to try to make us fall and to fail. But guess what? They can't win because greater is he that's in us than he that is in. Amen. No weapons formed against us, the Bible says, shall prosper. This is the heritage of the sons of God. That's our heritage. That No weapons formed against us shall prosper. And then I wonder, well, then why does God allow these battles? Well, may I suggest that they're for us? Why does he allow the, the, the wicked to, to, to set these traps? Why does he allow the wicked to be in our midst? Why does he allow the wicked to come against us? Might I again suggest that every one of these battles that we're in, they're for us? And what do you mean, Pastor? They're for us. Well, they're for us to develop in the things of God, to trust in the Lord more, to, to know that, God, your word tells me you're for us. If uh, uh, Who can be against us? Well, it looks like there's a lot against us right now. But I trust you. And might I remind you that this walk that we have as believers, as Christians here today, it's a walk of faith and not by sight. Well, what does that mean? That means that it might look like everything's against you, but if you trust by faith that God is for you, he is going to protect you. He is going to be your defense. He is going to do everything he can, and he has all the power to do it, to make you and I more than conquerors. Because those battles are for us, that we would mature and trust him more and to develop in the things of God. Amen? Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 42, 13, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man, he shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. You see, our defensive attorney, he's never lost a case. And might I add, he's the greatest in all the universe. There's none greater than him. No one can prevail against him. No one can snatch us out of his hand. 
If God is for us, who could be against us? Deuteronomy, Moses was talking to Joshua and talking to him about the battles that he would face. And Moses told Joshua, you must not fear them. For the Lord your God himself fights for you. Do you realize that? This is the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. The same God that was with Joshua, fighting for Joshua, is the same God that fights for us, and he does not want you to fear. Why? Because God himself fights for us. Amen? Do you know that he's fighting for you today? Do you notice it doesn't say, when we repent, he's our advocate? When we confess, he's our advocate? And I'm not diminishing... (laughs) The realization, no, we need to repent, yes. We need to confess it, yes. But it doesn't say when we repent of sin, we have an advocate. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say when we confess our sin, then we have an advocate. It doesn't say that. It says if anyone sins, we have an advocate. In other words, when we sin, we have an advocate. What am I trying to say with that? I'm trying to say that before we even confess it to him, before we even repent to him, our advocate is right there at the throne pleading our cause for us immediately. He's on the case. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what he does and has done and continues to do when we mess up. Do you know that Jesus is fighting for you, praying for you, interceding for you? Do you know that he wants to set you free from bondage of sin and he's able? He's interceding right now for us. He's our propitiation. Oh, that's a sure. Someone that goes here made this shirt. The system's rigged. My attorney is Jesus, and his father is the judge. So it's true. It's rigged. It's a rigged system. He always lives to intercede for us. Propitiations basically means our atonement, to appease the Father. Jesus, his sacrifice satisfied the punishment that was against us. He's our propitiation. Uh, He paid the price. Christ is not only our advocate, but he died in our place. We basically, as believers, have a get-out-of-jail-forever get out card because of Jesus. Let's look at the last verse as we close. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he, Jesus, walked. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? If I didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I would look at this verse and say, God... This verse is impossible. Why didn't you? But with the Holy Spirit living in us, and we, as we abide in Jesus, we walk as he walks. When we abide in Jesus, we walk in love. When we abide in Jesus, we walk in peace. When we abide in Jesus, we walk in kindness. When we abide in Jesus, we, we walk in faithfulness and goodness. When we abide in Jesus, we have self-control. We have gentleness. Without the Holy Spirit living in us, we, this would be impossible. How, you know, we walk just as Jesus walked. He was perfect. Does that mean we'll be perfect? No, but that means as we abide in him, as we, as we abide in our Lord and Savior, we can be those things that he's called us to be. And that tells me when I'm not walking in love and kindness and gentleness, self-control and all these things, it, it's, it shows me immediately I'm not abiding in him. If I get angry with someone and blow up at them and start yelling and screaming, it's like, guess what? I'm not walking as Jesus walked. But we have the ability to walk as Jesus walked. John the Apostle, 
He says, I'm writing to you that you will not sin, that you, excuse me, that you may not sin. I don't want you to sin. Sin's going to destroy you. But he's also encouraging us, if you abide in him, if you truly abide in Jesus, you will be able to walk just as Jesus walked. You will have patience. You will have kindness. You will have gentleness. You'll have self-control. But if you mess up, you have an advocate. Jesus, the righteous one. He's pleading your case immediately. So John's saying, just stay close with him. Walk in the spirit. Don't walk according to the flesh. Amen. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.